Let me entertain you. Welcome to another episode of Let Me Entertain You, where I take you inside the minds of musical theatre. Nine to Five, The Musical, has made its Australian premiere at the Capitol Theatre, Sydney, and I was thrilled to speak to producer Suzanne Jones. Nine to Five, The Musical is based on the 1980 movie of the same name and tells the story about three female secretaries who decide to take revenge on their tyrannical sexist boss by abducting him and running the business themselves. The movie, released 42 years ago, was groundbreaking. I was thrilled to speak to Suzanne about the movie's legacy, which the musical honours, all things Dolly Parton and the incredible Australian production. Suzanne is so inspiring as a woman and a leader in her field. I loved this interview and hearing more about her career. I know you will too. Without further ado, my guest, Suzanne Jones. One, two, three, four. Suzanne Jones. Yes. Here we are at 9 to 5, yes. the musical. Can I just say, I haven't seen you since Pippin. Congratulations. I Thanks, I know, a little <laughs> over a year ago. And we thought with that show that we were, you know, restarting theatre. Yeah, well, you were. God, and then It was we the did... first show to open yeah. since the lockdown. Yeah, I know it was, a, I mean, God, I remember that. I can't believe we actually did it. I remember Beck Windsor, my associate producer, and I, we were like, let's just do one day at a time. <laughs> let's just do today. And then tomorrow, I remember auditioning. We auditioned here. Oh, here? No, we auditioned at the Lyric. Yes. And we had squares set up in the foyer where people weren't allowed to go outside their square because they had to remain socially distanced. And we, <laughs> it was unbelievable. You know, uh, I wanted to speak to you back then because it was such a huge thing. I mean, mm. it was coming back. We had a lot of protocols that had to be invented, basically. You guys yeah. really, really set it out because West End and Broadway were still closed. Yeah, we made them up. There were a whole bunch of protocols, audition protocols and all that stuff that we made up, like how how many you could have in, the kind of spaces you could use, Zoom, like all of the, you know, that was not so much the beginning, but it was really all of that Zoom into, um, auditions and videotape auditions and really, really doing them properly. Like we'd done them before for people that couldn't make to make it, but mm. it, it's taken on a whole new life of its own, which... In some ways it's interesting because I think we're a live medium and there's nothing like a body in our room with the director and working together to really work stuff out. But if you live in Darwin or Outback WA or all of these places where you can't just get on a plane to come to a, an audition because it's really expensive, but we also can't fly an entire group of people out to there, it's a, I think it's a, actually a really great new way of bringing in more diverse talent from all over the country so yeah it kind of got invented around then it did so invented, but yeah <laughs> use, use 
to a greater extent, I guess, is the, is the thing. Well, yes, because um, the Lyric Theatre was the first theatre in yeah. Australia to open. Yeah, and they did so much work. I remember Stephen um, found Graham Kearns and Paul Rigby and Laura Manning, apart that's the four, but there's many more there, worked tirelessly on, OK, how do we get people into a theatre? Like, what do you do when 2,000 people turn up to get into the theatre? How do you check them in? How do you keep them safe? How do you... What, what, it was unreal. So reams and reams of pages of, of protocols and stuff were invented then. So we went on and Frozen went on. Mm, at the Capitol, And it was yeah. at the Capitol. So it was just, yeah, it's kind of, it's like a bit of a dream now. kind of can't <laughs> quite believe that that's... It is a very, it feels very distant because, of course, we had the lockdown again in Sydney for those 110 days, I know. <laughs> I remember. We all live in Sydney. <laughs> You were channeling Melbourne for a little while there, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah, I know. So we all kind of had to start from the beginning. And I do think as an industry, it's been, I mean, you would know, it's had a really big impact. Like there isn't anybody that works in our industry in any sense that you'll say, how was the last two years? And they'll go, oh, I'm exactly the same. Mm. No one answers it like that. You know, we've lost a whole bunch of sort of more experienced talent across all areas that have just gone, you know, they were thinking, oh, I've got another five years in me. They've gone, mm. oh, this is too hard, I'm out of here. Mm. You know, all of all of that. But I think in some ways it's kind of, for those of us that have stayed, it's galvanised us. Like, we yeah. really believe... Well, I can't talk for everyone else, but my personal... I really believe in what we do. Like, I know it's the daggiest thing of all get out, but I do believe we can change the world. Like, I know 9 to 5. You know, 9 to 5 is not the next great American novel. It isn't, but it was a really groundbreaking movie talking about incredible issues, and it stood the test of time, as Chicago has, as Wizard has, as these other titles have, to, to get us to now. And now what we do is 2,000 people a night, 16,000 people a week, potentially, come in and have like a holiday. They have a holiday from their world. They don't think about the fact that, oh my God, I've just homeschooled my kids for two years and I might be about to murder them. You know, they don't think about how the hell am I going to pay the rent. They don't think about these things. They come in here and they watch this hilarious production and with any luck, get a little bit inspired by what these three women did, which is not settle. They didn't just go, oh, okay, we can't change it. They didn't change the answer they gave. They, ca- they changed the question they got asked. That's a really core part of how we change the world is we don't, we don't sit with the existing questions. We ask new ones. We change the rhetoric. We change it from the beginning point, not from the answer point. And I think this show and these women did that. Totally. When they say in the middle of the show, you know, what, essentially, what would we do around here if we could? And Judy says, an hour for lunch. Marina <laughs> Price says, um, Violet says, think bigger. She goes, oh, an hour and a half? <laughs> and in the end, you know, there's a couple of these things, and Dora Lee eventually says, you for CEO, and points to Violet, and Violet's like, too big. And Dora Lee's like, no, it's not. That's not too big. And then we have a whole production number that follows that cracker with Marina, but... Yeah, they're proper 
it's great different questions I love this because the history of nine to five this is obviously the musical that's based on the movie yes the movie was started by I believe Jane Fonda yes. doing a lot of um, active work in a lot of the uh, workers union female yeah. workers union yeah she's a she's a massive um, proponent of women's rights and generally um, diverse rights I'd probably put it as I mean she's a woman as am I as are you so those are kind of pertinent to us but I would say Jane is a big advocate for sort of diverse rights and I think the movie you know like Dolly for example Dolly said sure I'll be in it but I have to write the music so normally not normally but back in the day it's all it's all run by men the world is run by men it's true but more and more and more these days thanks to people like Dolly Jane Fonda Lily Tomlin you know these people who are remarkable things have changed to the point where you know we're sitting in a room now and there's equal numbers of men and women sitting here doing all kinds of different things. And you are a producer of multi-million yeah. dollar commercial productions. Yeah. yeah Pat yourself on the ago. back. Yeah, well, decades ago that didn't exist. No. So, And it's on the shoulders of those women that, you know, my generation is coming through and the younger generation is coming through. So it's not... Like, we don't care what sex you are. We don't care what ethnicity you are. We don't care what able-bodied aspect you are. We don't care about those questions. We're like, what do you want to do? Can you do this? Is this going to be good? Let's do that. These questions I look forward to when they're not an issue, that we can celebrate diversity in a way that is at once, you know, that, how do I say it, that your diverse nature, whatever that is, be it boy, girl, black, white, tall, short, whatever it is, is celebrated and kind of ignored at the same time. Like we can... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that for me, will be that amazing moment I would love that. Wow. I know your career. You've had an incredible amount of amazing moments. Yeah, I'm lucky. Definitely <laughs> yeah. lucky. Hard work, but lucky. Oh, I remember years ago, I moved... I was a sound engineer on these shows um, and left that and didn't know what I wanted to do. And then a friend of mine, uh, my ex-girlfriend actually, uh, was doing a show and her producer fell out and didn't want to do it anymore and she was talking about it and didn't know what she'd do and stuff. And I went... Well, I'll have a go. How hard can it be? It's hilarious. This is 10 years ago. No. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 10 years ago this year, actually. Wow. Roughly. Um, yeah, and I loved it. It was like the perfect... Like, I'm a musician. I have a Bachelor of Music and a Bachelor of Economics. And producing is like this perfect meld between the two. It's full of creativity and business. And to be able to kind of sit those things together was just joyful. So, yeah, ever since then, it's been... I've worked with John for years, first as an employee of his and now as a co-producer with him. And, and he's a remarkable. I mean, what he's done for the theatre industry over decades is just... I mean, there isn't anybody else that's done that since J.C. Williamson. You know, everyone else has kind of come and gone and big and little, but he's just kind of... Because he loves it. Like, he genuinely loves theatre. He is the original theatre queen and still is. Like, yes, he does big commercial things, and yes, he's now, you know, GFO's been sold to Crossroads International, or Crossroads Live International, I think, mm -hmm. um, which is a remarkable thing for his company to do, particularly at his stage mm. of life and in his career. So, yeah, I feel really blessed, actually, to have done that and to kind of, yeah, not so much move away, but do stuff with other people as well. I'm looking forward to all of that. Mm. Like, what's next? I don't know. 
Oh my goodness, what's next? Well, I, we know what happened just recently. You told me that you went to London. Was ah, that, yeah. Was that to do with um, the West End production of Nine to Five, or maybe some other projects that you may yeah. not be able to take? It was more, yeah. It was more <laughs> about um, because you know we're part of the wider world and we've been shut away for mm. two years. It was really to get back on the plane and see what was happening in the world and to reconnect with a whole bunch of friends I now have in London and talk about what's going on there because they have been devastated like the industry's also been devastated but I did also go to the opening night of Cabaret oh wow which um with Jesse Buckley and Eddie Redmayne that's right yeah at um because ATG Ambassador Theatre Group put it on in one of their theatres and they totally remodelled the theatre so the theatre became in the round and it was incredible like the buzz being there was amazing like I can I can kind of see the opening night in front of my eyes actually yeah it was incredible and the show was just you know it's one of those shows they just put on they just went let's just make this beautiful and they did it was really really exciting I loved it and I made it back on the plane back for Christmas which was amazing (laughs) especially in this time this day and age of borders being shut or just about to open oh man or if you get if you get COVID tested positive you can't go anywhere and yeah, no, no, no. So it was remarkable. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing to go there and amazing to come back. See, Australia's great. It's a really great place to be in the world, I think, but it's great to go and visit. It's great to visit other places where there's all of this stuff going on that isn't going on here. The director, Jeff? Jeff Calhoun, yeah. Uh, before the media call and all of the performances, made a mention of our talent here in Australia. Mm. He and his team, Jeff, Lisa, Mark and Howard... Um, have been so incredibly generous with our gang but I would also say I mean aside from the marvelous ensemble cast who are genuinely invested in this in the show like you can see it when they're on stage but you know with Marina, Eddie, Caroline, Casey and Erin like they really are such I mean I they're kind of theatre royalty for me like they really are and Erin it's funny, you know, I keep thinking of her as this amazing new talent. She's not new. Just not enough people have seen her yet. But she, you know, she as the Dora Lee character, or Dolly, she just smashes it out of the park. Like, her voice is just... And like you heard Jeff say, you know, she's closest to Dolly that Dolly's seen. Yes, he did say that. Yeah. I know, how amazing is that? Yeah. We didn't know that. So, um, yeah, they're great. She was, she was the one that looks the most like... Dolly. Dolly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Dolly's been incredibly um, important in this process. Like, Jeff communicates with her a lot about the production, how it's going and where we're at. And and the same with Pat Resnick, the writer of the production. Like, she's also involved and invested and interested. And, yeah, it's. I think it starts from the top down, that kind of sort of heartfelt inclusion. And I think that starts with Pat and Dolly, actually. That's where, because they are like that, it seems to me. I mean, I... We spoke earlier just before we recorded. Um, mm. Pat uh, Resnick wrote the movie and also wrote the musical. Yeah. And was actually a, a big piece in the social media. Yeah, so on Valent- with Valentine's Day coming up, we wanted to do something from the show. And so we had our, our couples and Judy. So we had um, Franklin and uh, Roz, Caroline and Eddie, do a piece. And we kind of were like, oh, how funny would that be? What, what should we do? And we were talking to Jeff about it and said, oh, we'd really like to do this thing. What do you think? He goes, oh, 
Oh, see, if Pat wants to write something, that's great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he emails her off, and an hour later comes back a script, which is hilarious. Well, I personally think it's hilarious. <laughs> and um, Which was so lovely, really lovely. So we sent them off to her, and she loved it. So, yeah, she's, she wants to be... She's like all of us, you know, when we're invested in what we do and when it's important to us, we don't just kind of put it in and then phone it home. We kind of continue, so... I love yeah, it's hilarious. Because this is the Australian production and the mm. movie was made back in the 80s. Mm. And there's a, there was... Well, the, the show in the West End was only meant to run for 12 weeks and they just kept extending and extending and extending because people wanted to come and see it. And then they made the tour and then obviously COVID hit and it all turned pear shape. So now the tour is back out there and we're doing it here... Yeah, and it'll probably, my assumption is it will tour the US, but I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure about that, but yeah. Well, I've seen a lot of comments actually made, especially in um, the Broadway. They were saying they wished it hadn't closed early. I haven't yet seen the show, but everyone is saying that this is so fun. It's hilarious. Like, it really is. We've been trying to kind of work out how to truly communicate to people how heartfelt and hilarious it is. Like, yeah does it it is you know about these three women that stand up for themselves and their you know horrible micromanaging not great boss and it is about that it is without a doubt but it's like lots of great comedy lots of great comedy is actually rooted in these kind of uh topics that are almost difficult to talk about you know because it's it's difficult to talk about a a, women's lib because that's a bit glib but that kind of thing without without heading into the all men are bad thing and that is not that's not what we say this is a humanist story this is about humans standing up for things that they passionately believe in and the joy and wonder that can come from that so that's what the show is but it's couched in these Dolly Parton great songs and it's funny like it's like laugh out loud funny (laughs) and Caroline's turn in her song is just like you just saw the beginning of it but the next bit is just like oh my god so yeah Jeff has a great sense of timing in comedy and he's really translated that into um, Pat's already funny script and Dolly's fantastic songs. So, yeah, and each of the principals have this amazing moment to shine. So, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I look forward to you seeing I really can't wait. But I love the fact that you were just saying that it's not, you know, it's a human story because when I think about what Jane Fonda did at the Mm. increment of the idea... And she actually interviewed workers who hated their boss and she said, what's mm. the worst that you would actually want for your boss? And that sort of whittled its way down into that, that script. Yeah. I know, because it is a humanist story. Like, yes, I think, you know, if, as, a, as a woman, yeah. I mean, I still say, if, you're, if you don't have a headache from the glass ceiling, you haven't climbed up the ladder far enough. <laughs> you know, it's like, seriously. So I get that. But I think it's not just women that are in that situation. It's all kinds of people in their lives, men, women, boy, you know, everybody has those moments where you kind of have to dig deep and go, actually, no, I really believe in this. I, I don't need you to agree with me. I'm just, I'm just going to do this. And if I fail, well, so be it. But I believe in it enough to do it. And I think that's what this show is about. It's about back yourself, actually. Like, have a plan. Find something that you love, be passionate about, something you care about, and have enough passion in that to actually do it. And you know what? It might not work. That is not the reason not to do it, though. It's the when you're 80 test. When you're 80, are you going to wish you had? And if the answer to that is yes, well, you have to do it. That is so inspiring, Susan. It's true. I live like that. It's true. And this show is like that. It really is. So, yeah, come and have a laugh and a sing-along. 
I also want to ask, on the dress rehearsal, was money raised for Dolly's Imagination Library? Yeah, yeah, it was. So we are partnering with Dolly Parton's Imagination Library for the for the whole tour, and we had a final dress rehearsal, a charity dress rehearsal for them, and we raised nearly $40,000 just from that dress rehearsal. And so we'll do bucket collections and other ones of them around the country. So I'm really hoping that doubles and triples before the end of the tour. So yeah, it's a remarkable charity. It gives um, preschool kids books. Uh, the idea being that if a child can learn to read even a little before they go to school or have access to that, it can change the course of their life. Yeah, it's quite remarkable. She is just amazing. It's just come out that she's actually giving full scholarships to university for her Dolly workers. 11,000 of them, yeah, in Dollywood. fact. I know. It's really... Like, she really... She's such an interesting character because yeah. she's built this sort of Barbie image of, you know, the big blonde hair and the big boobs and that whole thing. But she's actually so far from that. I mean, that's, you know, Backwards Barbie is a song in the show, Don't Judge mm. a Book by its Cover. But she's really quite politically active in a way that is non-threatening. Like, she's... I met her a couple of years ago when we did some filming and I, I remember thinking at the time... I think I might have met the smartest person I've ever met in my life. Like, she's, she's a thing. She's quite amazing. And what she's done for the world, not just sort of the music world, but the world at large, Well, she developed, quite didn't amazing. she? Uh, she uh, donated for the Moderna. Yeah, a million dollars. Yeah. So she's, yeah, she's amazing. She's the real deal, that woman. And writes a song every day at 5 in the morning or 6 in the morning. Cup of coffee, write a song. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's, um... She's the thing. She wrote all of the music for 9 to 5. Mm-hmm. Yes, she did. And it was arranged by Stephen Aremus, who did the arrangements for Wicked. And actually, you should... I can't remember off the top of my head. I know Mark Crossland, who's our music guy, music supervisor from London. He did some of the arrangements as well. But I know there's one more, and I've left them out. I can't remember <laughs> what their name is, so... Yeah. 9 to 5 obviously opens in Sydney... Where will it be touring? Yeah, we open in Sydney. Uh, we're here till the 8th of May. Uh, and then we go to Brisbane and Melbourne. And we're on sale in both of those cities. So, yeah, Brisbane in May, June. And Melbourne from July, I think. When Dolly made her famous um, 9 to 5 song, she played the rhythm on her acrylic uh, nails. Yes, she did. I know. Now, we don't have that. In the show, actually. It has been talked about, but we don't actually have it in the show. But, yeah, she's just... She's an amazing songwriter. You know the story about I Will Always Love You? So years and... Obviously, decades ago, um, Elvis Presley's manager approached her to buy the song. And what he wanted to do was buy all of the copyright. So not just the right to use it, and she gets some copyright, but they wanted to own the whole song, and she said no. I love that story. And, uh, yeah, and then Whitney Houston recorded it, and it became... Oh, it became a, obviously an international mega hit but yeah that is amazing yeah I know she's amazing yeah and I love the idea that she's a businesswoman as well oh yeah she's the whole package like she's she is control of in control of her image and what happens in her world I don't think she has a really fantastic team of people around her that have been with her for a long time but uh, yeah my understanding is that she is very much her own person Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I love one of the quotes, it costs a lot of money to look this cheap. Yes, I know. I love the fact that she looks how she wants to look. You know, like she's not, it's that thing, you know. She's not, it's not for someone else. 
it's her idea. It's her idea of beauty and it's her idea of, of what works for her. And, it's, and you can either come along with that or not. Like, I love the story about the Playboy. She posed for Playboy. And Keanu Reeves' mother was actually the dressmaker that made the outfit. And when she turned, what was it, last year when she had oh, a birthday, wow. she reposed for her husband and yeah. gave the cover to her husband as a birthday present. Oh, that's hilarious. I didn't know that. No. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, how hilarious is that? Keanu Reeves. <laughs> it's a small world. It's a very small world. So your favourite um, part in the musical? I don't... It's funny, you know, I don't really have one because... There's a really beautiful song in Act Two that young Joe sings to Violet. It's such a beautiful melody. And it's a rare moment of the show where we kind of, we don't stop, but we just, it's peaceful almost. And that's, it's, she, it's just a glimpse at one of Dolly's incredibly beautiful melodies. Like she writes these amazing melodies. But then Casey sings this song, Get Out and Stay Out, that's just like last night it stopped the show. Wow. And then Marina has one of the boys, which is like this full production number, which is fantastic to see her just kind of get out there and do it. Erin, backwards Barbie. Like, Caroline's, <laughs> Caroline and Eddie's heart to heart. That's, that is, yeah, that also stops the show. <laughs> and then Eddie sings a number that, shall we say, not on the ground. And that is also hilarious. So I kind of, I know I've just picked one from each of them, but it's because they are actually... It's really fast-paced. We move through this kind of hilarious story really quickly. There's no kind of time for just sitting around and vaguing out. Like, it's bang, bang, yeah. So, yeah, I, I love it. I've watched it, I don't know how many times now, five or six or seven or something, and I still laugh and I still love it. <laughs> Marina has one of my favourite lines in the show, though, where uh, Judy's starting her, is it her first day, and uh, Marina's just said, OK, even though you don't know what you're doing, I'll hire you. And Judy goes to hug her. And uh, Violet says, not a hugger. <laughs> and every time I laugh, I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> we want to get T-shirts printed, nine to five, not a hugger. Yes. Anyway, I know, hilarious. Oh, I do love merch. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I know. Doesn't everyone love merch? Love merch. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, yeah. lo- I'm looking for the cup that says cup of ambition. There should be one there. I wonder if there is one in the range, actually. Well, all of the different... I noticed that if a production comes, depending on the city, there's all different merchandise. There can, yeah, there can be, yeah. actually. It's true. I, I must have a look out there, because it is such a natural kind of... <laughs> yeah, she has more than a cup of ambition, that one. <laughs> and um, because Dolly Parton also has um, brought out an ice cream. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's strawberry and cream or something like that. Of course that. it is. <laughs> Sounds exactly like what you do. I was kind of hoping that you'd be selling it outside. I don't know. I haven't seen the show yet. Ah, I know. When are you coming? You're coming on opening or whatever. I think so, yeah. Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, well, (laughs) that'd be good. Better go, actually. It was lovely talking to you. Nice to chat. I'm really so excited to see the show and, of course, to see you after so long. Yeah. And congratulations. It's been, we had had chatted before, it's been two and a half years. Yeah. Since you since, were... Yeah, two, two and a half years since we auditioned. First audition for the show, and it always takes months before then, so it's probably closer to three years at least. It is about three years when we first started saying, hey, I think we should do this show. 
So, yeah. I just wanted to say, talk about um, how we've actually got this show on and how many of the other shows have gone on. And I know um, there's a lot of the arts community that are hurting, and we all are, but I can say hand on heart that this show would not be on without the help of Destination New South Wales, the uh, the federal government, the Morrison federal government and the Perite New South Wales government. Like, they are material in 9 to 5 making it to stage. And, um, and I know there's always more to be done and I know all of those things, but as, as a producer of this show, I just wanted to say thank you and really acknowledge that they are really on the front foot, more so than any other government in the country, I think, the New South Wales government, and it makes a difference. You know, Stephen's going to build a couple of new theatres, Stephen Found, and, you know, he's funding that. Like, But the government are getting behind him, and, yeah, we, it takes a village to bring theatre back, and the government here, the national government, and DNSW are really are really 100% behind that. They see it as a hub. They see it as, um, well, this is my view, they see it as a, as a, you know, when people come to the theatre, they often, they'll go to dinner, they'll, you know, park a car, they'll catch the train, they'll go shopping before, they'll stay over in a hotel. You know, like I've said earlier in the interview, you know, if this play, there's 2,000 seats in this theatre, well, 2,094, but 2,000 seats, that's 16,000 people. If the venue's full, that come into this part of the city, and right now when people aren't here, that makes a massive differences to all of the businesses around here all of the restaurants are full before a show they're not when the show's not here so yeah i think the government the local government the new south wales government have really recognized that and um, have taken the opportunity to say okay well producers if you'll come 90 percent of the way down the path we'll we'll come 10 percent of the way in with you to help you to give you that safety net to do it so john and i both like great good let's do that so um yeah massively helpful and also too I think the whole of Australia wants to thank you guys mm. because where would we be without our producers yeah I think um, I think the thing about COVID and I think the thing about Australia is I think between the venues and the producers and all the other sort of ancillary services that sit around when COVID happened we all went right we're in it together so the venues didn't pound us to you know pay a whole bunch of rent we couldn't afford or the producers didn't kind of rape and pillage you know no we're not you know everyone just went wow okay let's try and work out how we can deal with our parts of it so that we all have something to come back to we all have something in our in our pockets venues performers um, creatives, crew, management, everybody to actually get us back in the theatre and I think that's been a really fantastic approach that our industry has taken and I think the government have really come on board with that approach. Well certainly my experience of them is that. So yeah. Well like I said you opened up theatre in the world basically with yeah, Pippin. Yeah with Pippin. I know New South Wales government was heavily heavily involved with that too as was Foundation Theatres. So and John and I like yeah it's um it's a team effort. So good to see you back. Nice. Thanks. Thanks for your time. This has been Let Me Entertain You, Inside the Minds of Musical Theatre. Thanks for listening. Please like, subscribe and tell your friends. But most importantly, go and see a show. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Nice to be in orbit.